Welcome to Season 2 of the Development Locker Podcast, where we progress to the how, where we aim to continue your development throughout the 2021-2022 season and start to proactively prepare you for your transition come the end of the season. Over the next 12 months, we will cover a variety of topics that you, the listener, have voted for taking ownership of your own development and transitional needs and those of other academy players and graduates. This podcast is a free platform that aims to put you, the person behind the player, at the forefront of everything we do, so that we may enhance your academy experience via our guidance, advice and support on a weekly basis. Each week, we invite guests to tell us their stories, share their experiences, so that you can take on board key messages that will positively impact your future. Our objective is to cover the basics well, provide you with the additional 1% in a variety of areas and give you an opportunity to continue your lifelong development as you transition through the academy system towards fulfilling your aspirations of becoming a professional football player and living a fulfilled life after football. These are your chosen episodes. This is your interview from The Locker. This month's episode of The Journey is probably the most honest and mature account we have done yet. Over the next 35 minutes or so, you will hear an academy graduate like no other. An individual who identified that football may not be a viable career option. An individual who decided to step away and take time out to consider his options. And an individual who wasn't afraid to step into the unknown and pursue a career others would not. Jack is and has always been different to his peers, a wise young man who continues to defy normality and pursue his passions while leading a life he enjoys. A great example to anyone, not just academy players or those in the world of football. We can all learn something from Jack's story. We had the pleasure to catch up with him, get to know him some more and find out his aspirations for the future as well as filling the gaps in between. So, let's get to it. This is Jack's journey, and this is his interview for Locker. So, Jack, we'll get straight into the questions. And first of all, as we do often ask quite a lot of our guests for the journey, uh, tell us about your first memory in football. First memory in football would probably be, it'd have to be my first ever game, I'd say, because um, I remember I actually scored that game. I remember going in thinking, like, I've, you, know, you know, you don't really know much about something. Obviously, you've watched it on TV, you played it with your mates, whatever. But my first ever game, I was dead nervous. And I, um, I remember I actually well, like I say, scored in that game and uh, put my hand up just so my dad would know it was me that scored. <laughs> <laughs> That's a well good story. So what? Come on, talk us through the goal. He was saying like, oh, it's like Alan, you know how Alan Shearer used to celebrate? Yeah. So I, I did that, but because it was in like a crowded area, I was like just doing it to point out like, oh yeah, it was me who actually just scored that. So it's quite funny actually, to be fair. Um, but yeah, that sounds probably is my first memory of football. To go on, talk us through the goal. You know, how did you receive the ball? What was the finish like? Come on. Well, 
I was like, I think I was probably about nine, so I'm struggling to fully like recollect. But um, it was, I'd come on as a sub, um, and within like the first ten minutes or so, I'd just got the ball around the box area, and I remember just. Just kind of bit of a lucky one, really, just shooting. I don't think the keeper was very good, which helps. Doing <laughs> it anyway. I'm sure you're doing yourself a disservice there. I've seen, I've seen, uh, yeah, one or two of your goals. So I know it's probably pretty, pretty good, even though you were nine, nine years old. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was all good. So fast forward then into academy football. So if that's your first memory, you know, what age did you join an academy? What was that? What was that experience like? You know, your first year in academy football. Well, it kind of it all happened quite quick, really. So, I'd, like I said, I'd just started playing for the team I've just mentioned. Then when I scored, mm-hmm. um, and I quite cl- quickly progressed through the ranks. So, I played that game, scored. Then we played another game, um, did all right, a few games for them, and then moved teams into a B team. And I remember I scored seven in my first game. So they were like, "What? Right, just get go to the A, play for them." Did really well that season. Moved to a team called Bolton County, which were like quite well known for um, for Bolton Wanderers taking their players. There was yeah. like, that's where Brocky went actually first, I think as well. Oh. Um, they took about four or five players from that team before. So me and Jack Earing went there at the same time, and um, we played in like a preseason tournament, and that's where me and him got scouted um, in that tournament. So then, obviously, we've both gone on trial. I um, can't remember how long for, but yeah, we obviously both must must have done pretty well. Uh, I just remember being a lot more nervous than what I was for playing for the local teams because it was uh, it was more strict, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was more, definitely more pressure on you if you made mistakes on the ball, even at that young age as well. I think the, we had a manager then who was quite old school, really. Uh, mm. I think he actually they ended up getting rid of him because he was a little bit too harsh, is from what, from what I heard. Um, so, yeah, I remember just... I did... I think I struggled at first, to be quite honest with you. I wasn't 100% sure if I liked it. This is all, like, in my really? two years of football, so... Mm-hmm. You know, you don't... I don't know. I'd say when you go from playing at academy to playing with your mates or at school, it's obviously a lot more fun. Yeah. Playing at school or playing at the lower leagues, would you say, because... Easy, and then you, when you're going straight into a professional environment, it is a big change to be fair. And I think it took me a while to sort of adapt from that. Um, but yeah, once you get going with it, obviously you, you do adapt, and yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. Um, but I think I missed out on you know, when you sort of see speak to other lads and they say, Oh, they've, they've got trophies from X, Y, and Z, or whatever. When yeah. you go academy football but you don't you don't get that really it's just all friendlies in it you've never won a league or whatever so it, you kind of miss out on all that side of stuff but I'd say all in all yeah I, I think I quite enjoyed it at the start yeah I think that's a very good point and I'll be honest with you I think you're the first one to probably be that honest and open about it I think quite a few people I mean obviously it's different experiences different individuals isn't it but I think quite a few of the guests we've had on before They've never really told it in that way. I suppose that is the re- reality of it, isn't it? Of you going from something quite fun with your mates, there's probably not a lot of pressure on, you're enjoying the football, high-scoring games, you're winning trophies, and then all of a sudden you're taken into this environment where, as you said, you know, it's almost like, oh, there's pressure on it now. And oh, it's, Yeah, there's, I, I do. There's what If there's one thing I would change about that, 
younger age academy systems, they should bring more enjoyment and uh, actual physical rewards as well. Because it doesn't mean much to you now at this age, but when you're a kid, I remember like bringing your trophy home. It's quite a big thing. You love it. Like you put it yeah. in your room. And I remember, I look, I look back now, I think I've got one medal from when I was at Bolton. That is it. That was, I, I can literally can't remember. I, we must have done them four tournaments or something like that in the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I just think as a kid, it's like a big thing bringing those things home and having them to show, isn't it? But Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good thing to hear that. Yeah. Well, you only have a league when you get to the 18s, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even the yeah, even under 16s, which is a big transition between, isn't it? It's, it's essentially friendlies, isn't it? And then, like you said, fast forward to the 18s and now there's a league. I mean, there's the Floodlick Cup, isn't there, at like 14s, 15s, 16s. There's other kind of tournaments yeah. underneath that now. But, yeah, I think it's a very good point you're making there about, because I think if you stay in grassroots or school football, like you said, you'd rack up a quite a few trophies and you get the buzz from that, don't you? Yeah, you do, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. So, I mean, apart from you first joined the, the, the academy, talk us through, you know, how you progress within that academy. Obviously, we know each other from your time in the under-18s. Yeah. Kind of fill in the gaps a little bit, you know, summarise your time at, at the academy at Bolton, what your your highs and lows were while you were there. I'd say, it, like I say, I think in the first year or so, it took me a little bit to get going. And then I remember getting to, it will have been year eight at school, so I'm not sure how old we are then. Maybe like... I don't know, is that like 13, 14 or something? Maybe a bit yeah. older? Yeah, a bit older. The growth spurt, to be fair. I was like one of the tallest of the teams and I had a really good year. Uh, that's probably when I started to get a bit of momentum going then. Um, start, I used to play up front, then I got moved to the wing. Um, and because I was a little bit big and quite fast, I used to just be able to knock the ball past the defender and, and <laughs> outpace him or outstrengthen him. But after a few years... That started to wear off, then they outgrew me, and then they started becoming bigger than me and stronger than me. So I had to sort of adapt from that. I found that quite tricky, actually, um, because I was very dependent on doing that. And that's obviously, yeah. you know, that brought me a bit of success playing that way. So I'd say I went through a bit of a tricky patch at one point where I had to change my game up a bit. Um, but I'd say the highs were definitely under Nick Spooner. I just love playing with Nick, thought he was a great coach. Um, Rowie was good. I really enjoyed that season we had with him. Um, then it gets to, again, yeah, I'd say when you under 16s and that, we had a, a really good team actually thinking about it because yeah. we had like Alex Sammy just come. Um, we had obviously me and, me and Ryan on the wings, Rocky at the back with Tom. Uh, and we just, Nick had this like pattern of play that we did all the time. I remember literally going into a game and everybody knew the role, like bang, 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 what we were doing. And it was just so good because you, you genuinely, that was the only season I've ever had where I'd go into every game thinking like, oh, we can actually win. Um, and I just felt there was like a real cohesion with the team. Um, and then we went to under-18s with Dave Lee and it was just like nothing was nothing was remote. Like, I didn't do any patterns of play, didn't do anything. You'd get on the pitch and you'd think like, right, what am I doing now? No one know like so I'd know at times Jordan used to play right back behind me. Yeah. I knew if I had make a certain movement, he goes and he overlap around me, bang, and then you know he passed in and the ball goes. So you get to under 18s and there's none of that. So I found I did find the coach in there knocked me backwards. I'd say that was probably my low, my first year scholar in the under 18s. 
Um, that is the only real season where I can actually remember where I thought I'd gone backwards instead of forwards. So how do you address that then? Because obviously that must be a common thing, in, in, even in professional, isn't it, where a new manager, new coach will come in and it's a totally different phase of play. It's a totally different way of coaching. It's either more technical, less technical, more tactical, less tactical. Yeah. So how, how do you physically deal with that? Because that's, that's outside of your control really, isn't it? It is, yeah. To be fair, going from like any other season into the under-18s, it's a total different schedule. It's like your full-time job, isn't it? Yeah. So, again, you're adapting to that, but then you can so many doubts creep in your head when you're doing that. You're thinking, oh, God, I've just left school. Is this the right thing? I'm not enjoying my time with this manager. Uh, he's not playing me. Uh, I don't feel I'm progressing. And you can have so many of these thoughts, but then, I, I don't know, you just have to sort of bide your time with it and you know, get a couple of good games under your belt, then it starts being a bit better with you or you, you build your confidence back up. But I think it is it is tricky when you have, when you feel like you've got a coach who's not making you better, to be fair. I, I did, I found that, that was definitely my toughest season, that first first year school. I really didn't enjoy that one. Yeah, it must be tough. And it kind of brings me on to the next question. Obviously, you mentioned there, the education, <clears throat> you came from quite a, you know, a, academic background, you know, you, you've gone to a, a private school and, and, and you've done relatively well. So how difficult was it to make that decision to go, right, if I suddenly started life with a scholarship, you know, although it's not saying that's it, your education done with in terms of that sort of calibre, but you yeah. very, there's no choice. You're doing, you're doing a BTEC, you've come from doing very high calibre education, which you could have easily continued with and turned down the scholarship. There was Nat Phillips, who was also at my school, wasn't he? And he did. Yeah, yeah. He did like the hybrid where you do education and yeah. football. So I had my teachers at school grilling me saying, no, what are you doing? Um, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. They were like giving me stories of Philip. I think I'm sure they said Philip Lam, who was like some sort of trained, something ridiculous, like a lawyer as well as the same time as being a footballer. Yes. Yeah, like, I, think he is. Like, I think you're right. Like, this information. Um, and that made me doubt thinking like, oh, should I? And then, I had dad in my ear saying, oh, you've been paid to do what you love. Why would you not want to do it? Blah, blah, blah. Um, do you regret it or not? Or do you not live with regrets? Right. I wouldn't say I regret it because I actually did want to do football full-time. Um, and I remember at that phase, in that period of my life, I, I genuinely did want to leave school. Um, not because I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy school, but I just felt like I was... I don't know. I felt like what I was choosing in football could have got me somewhere. Uh, and fortunately for me, I have a lot of stuff I can fall back on anyway with family business and a few other bits like that. So I didn't really have any sort of... Um, I didn't have any issues. I always had that security net underneath me, which was nice. Uh, I can imagine for some lads that it's literally all or nothing. So it must be tough in that case. But for me, I never really had that worry. So I wouldn't say I, it was a big decision, really, for me, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's a good way of looking at it. And I suppose I have to ask the question. So if it wasn't football and you had continued down the education pathway, what yeah. levels would you have chosen? Would you have gone to university? What yeah, would you have done? I, did want to, I was really good at German and I still really no. somehow carry on to do that. Um, and I did. I remember how, actually in the... Uh, First year of my school, I went back to school and spoke to my German <clears throat> teacher and said to him, is there any way I can do it, like part-time type of thing? Um, but I never ended up getting around to it. That's the one thing I do regret is not carrying on with that because I look at um, 
CFR wasn't working um, in the family business now to get the jobs that I like. You have to have studied something. Yeah. That's the only time now where I think, like, oh, what would have happened if I did carry on um, with education? But, you know, you can't really think like that. So you just got to sort of get on with it, haven't you? Um, you know, it's not. It's still not even too late. I, like, I think I remember you knew I was sort of had enough for football, didn't you? Because we had a couple of chats. Yeah, yeah. Potentially going to university and stuff like that. So I did almost dip back into it, but um, yeah, I just chose not to in the end. Yeah, and like I said, it, it's never too late. I mean, you can keep up your your German. Like I said, you know, it can be done at an evening at a college, or there's plenty of online stuff there to, to do. And then you know, in terms of university, now you know, I have lads contacting me all the time, even from cohorts just before you of you know wanting to go to university. It's, it's, it's never too late. But yeah, I mean, it must must have been difficult to make that decision to like you just said, yeah. of people like, kind of in your ear, not telling you what to do, but almost. Yeah, if I, if there's one job now, where if if I was trying to pursue, I would actually fancy something like sports psychology, uh, or you know, like sort of coaching people. Um, yeah, on that side of things, a bit like um, what's oh, what's a well-known guy called with the uh, chimp theory? I forgot his name. Oh, yeah, um, like that way. You, you, yeah, you, yeah, you help the mindset of sportsmen and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be quite a cool thing to get into, to be fair. Yeah, it would. It would, that one. So, I mean, I saw you, I came into contact with you as head of education at Bolton, and obviously I saw you kind of really establish yourself. You said that you'd struggled in that first year. From the outside looking in, I'd have never guessed that. Um, yeah, but fortunately for me as well, we actually changed coaches for the second year. Yeah. So yeah. Nick came back in then, and I, I, I felt like I was having a good year, and then a couple of things happened, which couple of injuries, illnesses, a few other bits like that. And I, mean, I just thought, oh, I've had enough now. Well, that's what I'm going to come up to me now. So how how difficult was it not to turn professional from an outsider looking in, who you're far more experienced of me than football, but from an outsider looking in, I'm thinking, oh, you know, he's doing really well. He's, you know, probably giving himself the really best chance of ultimately getting that contract decision at the end of the year. Yeah. How hard was it not to turn professional to go through the academy system to have to make that decision about do I choose education or the scholarship football programme and then ultimately not to get what you've worked really hard for? To be, I'm going to be brutally honest, I didn't struggle at all not making it as a footballer. Uh, and I've never once looked back now and thought like, oh, I'm so gutted about that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why that is. I just think there's other things in life which can bring me just as much satisfaction as playing football very true um as much as i loved it and like you know i when back when i was 16 17 18 doing the scholarship there was nothing more wanted to be than a footballer but then obviously come to your second year scholar set off work doing well um then i remember having a period where i was really really getting going and i remember um even nick and gav were saying to me like you're training really really well at the minute yeah. And I then did my MCL on my knee, which probably five or six weeks out. So then came back, then you've got to wait to get back in the team. Um, and then I did, and then I got tonsillitis, so that was two weeks out. <laughs> and then there was an, like, a numerous weird, like, weird things like that kept happening. And I just thought it got to the point where there was probably a month left of the season, and I was like... Yeah. 
absolutely no chance. Nothing's happening here. Uh, I hadn't been involved with the 23s. And then when I looked at the 23s, unfortunately for me, again, it would have been another year with Dave, who, like I said, he was the only coach who I felt I went backwards with. So would I then want to go and have another year with him? Because I remember discussing this with my parents, thinking like, would I even want to sign on anyway? Because it means I'm with him again. And that's no no offence to Dave. He, there's yeah. lads who loved him. There's lads yeah. who would say he's a good coach. He just didn't, his methods didn't work with me. They didn't make me a better player. He didn't make me want to play for him because of certain things that he, he did. Um, so ultimately, if I got offered a contract, would I have signed it? Probably not. Anyway, um, I have tried my luck somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but when it actually came to the point of leaving, uh, I think, do you remember, I went on holiday, didn't I? Yeah, I went away with mum and dad, just had three weeks chilling. Um, and then all these things were like opening up to me that I'd never been able to do before, like going lads all with my mates, doing this and that and that. And I think I got a bit caught up in that, to be quite honest, for probably about a year, which is quite a long time. That's not a bad thing. But I think it's when you just have all your restraints taken off you. Um, yeah. Like I say, it was something I hadn't experienced, which I think that kind of helped me though not think about it. Because um, I remember we was on holiday and my dad was saying, oh, you're going to have to get yourself fit when you go back. And I just said to him, I was like, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to go on trial anywhere. Um, I just said, I think I've had enough, genuinely. I really fell out of it. Like, really, really fell out of it. I didn't bother going anywhere. I didn't have one trial. I just, once I left Bolton, that was it. I'd, I'd gone. I think I went locally to Ramsbottom um, and Averton Coles, but that wasn't with any intention of trying to get back into the league. That was just purely for, you know, missing the crack in the change rooms, whatever. Yeah. Uh, just having a little kick about on Saturdays. But I didn't want to go too low because then you get annoyed with the other players and the pitches. And yeah. I tried keeping it at a decent level. But even then, after about five or six weeks, every time I'd, I'd just sat, I'd quit again and just uh, go back to doing whatever I was doing. Um, so, yeah, to, to answer your question, I, I wouldn't say at any point I'd, I've struggled with not making it as a professional footballer. It has not bothered me um, in the slightest, to be quite honest with you. I mean, yeah, it's so refreshing now and it's a very mature attitude. I remember I was kind of half shocked, but half not when kind of those, like you said, some of the things that were happening and then you took that decision, you wanted to go away and you'd, I know we had conversations about it and I just thought it's so refreshing, so mature for someone so young. Where, where, where did that maturity come from? Was that, like you said before, was that almost like kind of some of the bits that you had to fall back on with the family business and things of that nature? Or is that just you as a person, you kind of like, you know, hey, you know, it's out of my control. Let's take time out and let's think about it. Because a lot of lads wouldn't have done, a lot of lads would have just thrown themselves into the next club and the next one and the next one. Yeah, I think... There's just so many different things you can do in life. You can't, you can't get caught up on on one thing. If it, if it's not working for you, you've got to sometimes realize, right? If I'm not making it at this level, like realistically, where, where am I going to get to? And that was sort of the attitude. I, if you know, if you're getting released from Man United, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, there's a whole array of clubs who will be after you. Who, uh, you know, they'd welcome you with open arms for a trial, and the probability of you being better than the other lads at lower clubs is quite high because you've, you know what I mean, you've been at the best possible training for years of your life. Whereas yeah. you're getting released from clubs like Blackburn, Bolt and whoever, you then opened up to a different sort of pool of clubs, if that makes sense. You probably then have to go to your like Rochdale's, Oldham's, Fleetwood's. Um, and that to me just didn't seem very appealing. I don't know. Um, 
I always had the impression that if I wasn't going to make it top level type of thing, then I'm not really too interested. I'm, I don't want to go stooping about in the other leagues. Um, I just think you're sacrificing a lot to do football, whether that's holidays, whether it's just anything really. And if I wasn't reaping relevant awards for what I was sacrificing, to me, it never made sense. So um, that's another reason, I think, why I didn't get so caught up on it. This month, we turn our attention to all things nutrition. Over the next three weeks, we will cover your nutritional intake concerning training, match days and rest days. So, if you have a question relating to one, some or all of these areas of nutrition, then get your questions into our double team of nutritionists. They will be returning to delve deeper with their experience and bring more of their knowledge to the three key components of your performance week as an academy player. Put your questions to Emmett and Owen using the Google form, which will be shared on our social media platforms later today. But for now, let's get back to Jack's incredible an inspiring journey. You said you kind of left the academy, you, you'd flirted with one or two opportunities within football, but now you, you find yourself working full-time and being a DJ. So how... In terms of the DJ, how did that come about? Was it planned? Was it an opportunity season? You know, talk us through how that came about. So I basically just went to a music event. Um, probably the summer when I stopped playing football. It was sometime around then. I just remember coming out thinking like, Jesus, that, that is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> I've never been to one before. And I remember just looking at the DJ the whole time thinking like, that must be such a sick job to do. Like, it must be so fun. <laughs> Uh, and then I just went and bought a pair of decks, started messing about, then started going to more and more events, really getting into it. Uh, went for lessons then in DJing. Um, you know, you have to buy all the software, all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Not actually that cheap, to be honest with you. I can imagine. <laughs> and I've <laughs> got all that. And just, it's just like anything that you, if you enjoy or you just, you want to keep doing it, don't you? So then I, um, obviously if my mates have had parties or whatever, I'd bring my decks and, um, obviously DJ that all night and I just, I just enjoyed doing it so then I started taking it a bit more seriously then like I say started producing my own music because the guy who taught me how to DJ said if you actually want to get big gigs in clubs you have to sort of um, be somebody if that makes sense you have to be yeah. you know, your name has to be out there and the only way to get your name out there is for you to release music on labels so I was like, all right, man, yeah, no, well, how, how do you start doing that? She's like, right, buy, you, buy this software, get all this. And I was like, oh, my God, that's <laughs> five grand there like, that you need. So I was thinking, like, oh, is this too expensive? But I, what I did was I just accu accumulated the stuff over birthdays and Christmases. So um, <clears throat> for my birthday, for example, I'd get the software for Christmas. I'd ask for the uh, computer you need or whatever. And then um, I just really started getting into that. And I've, I've DJed at a few clubs now. And um, I've released music as well on the label, so that that was going in the right direction. And just before coronavirus came, I had quite a big um, gig lined up with a DJ who I'd watched on uh, various events. He's 
plays with all the top guys and I was going to sort of use him to network, give him some of my music and say like, oh, uh, I'm coming watching you in Barcelona, for example, kind of come backstage and meet all the guys. And, that's, and I hope that I got my foot on the ladder, if that makes sense. But it obviously yeah. happened. So I'm still stuck where I was a year and a half ago, unfortunately. It's not really got back going. Um, I'm, I'm sure it will soon. So, I mean, we were kind of talking off air a little bit before we started the, the interview yeah. officially. And talk us through what it is like to be a DJ, because I'm pretty sure quite a few lads, quite a few of our listeners will be thinking, all right, alternative career, DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a good taste in music. Yeah, you know, I've got, they probably got decks, what they think are decks, you know, kind of linked up to a laptop in the bedroom thinking, oh, yeah, I can, I can do that. Yeah. How difficult is it? I think it's, it's definitely difficult, but I think lads in our football environment were used to sort of being put under pressure. So when you go into a club uh, and say if you were DJing in front of 500 people, like some people will melt in that situation. They'll forget what buttons to press. They'll forget to do all this and that. I think because I've constantly been in like a professional environment, I was kind of used to that being put under pressure feeling. So in that sense, I think... We are actually an advantage, if that makes sense. It does. Um, however, what I will say is that if you're not willing to literally dedicate hours and hours and hours after work, learning this, putting all your money into it, like I say, instead of like for birthday presents, for example, I'm not asking for designer trainers, I'm not asking for designer films, I was literally asking for music equipment. You've got, <laughs> you've got to put everything into it, basically, or you ain't going to get anywhere with it. Well, that's the same for anything in life, I'd say, anyway, so... Yeah, I wouldn't just uh, look at a video of a DJ and like, oh, I could do that because trust me, <laughs> I'll be able to just do that. You have to learn it, and it, it does take time. So, so far, then, what's been your most challenging, your most rewarding thing to do with DJing? I'd say the most challenging with it is you're not you you've got no direction. If that makes sense, you haven't got a coach who's telling you like, right, you got to work on you, this, or you've not got a set structure. You are kind of just putting all this time in something, and at times it does feel like. You, you're going nowhere. Like you, you think, like, oh, what, what, what am I doing? Like, is it worth me putting all these hours in? But then something like will just happen like that, and then you know you, you sort of find your feet a bit with it, um, and you, you sort of build a bit of momentum. Like, so I'd say year by year. There's an unwritten rule with DJing. It, it, it's the ten year rule. They say it, it takes ten years really to fully get to where you need to be. Wow. And, and that's what my teacher told me. He's been doing it twenty odd years, and he said. I couldn't agree with it more. I should speak to anybody, um, especially with my music scene as well, because it's like the techno underground stuff, the rave scene. Um, EDM artists can blow up overnight. That's a total different thing. But with, with so, the, so the 10 years then, is that literally because you've got to really network, 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 or is that to do yeah. with you can build up a back catalogue or a combination of things? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a kind of a, a thing in the genre of music I produce that, doesn't matter how young you are or how good you are, you've got to stick around for a while before you. They'll eventually then start giving you like slot one, the main mm. you know, like the headline. You won't just. It doesn't happen overnight. And to be honest with you, there's so much to learn. I, I can't even begin to tell you with music production. It's frightening. It's literally an endless amount of stuff to learn. So I think when you get, you know, quite a few years behind you, eventually it starts clicking and you start creating your own sound and things just start falling together, really. But that that can't happen overnight. That takes a long, long time for that to happen. 
I can imagine. So, most rewarding bit so far? I mean, obviously, you're 10 years, you've got a long time to go, yeah? But so far, what's the been the most rewarding bit? Oh, most rewarding? Probably. Um, I'd say getting your, getting your first event, because it's like, it's quite a big feeling, feeling to be fair, because obviously you go from DJing in your room and to DJing with your mates, and all of a sudden you're in a club and you're like, whoa, actually, this is <laughs> mad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd say... I'd say that, that that they're the things that keep you going a bit. You, you go and watch the DJ and you, you go and DJ yourself and you come back with so much inspiration. That's what kind of makes you think, oh, it is, it is worth it, me putting all this hours in. And Yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably getting your gigs is the most rewarding thing. And then speaking of gigs, then, is that interrelated to what your aspirations are for the future? What, what would be the ultimate DJ career for you? Having my um, own event... Uh, would be my number one thing to be quite honest with you and I want to do something a bit different to what's already out there so I'm still working and planning on that but you just need some it's just ridiculous how much money you need in this sort of uh, industry it's just crazy absolutely crazy but you'd need some sort of investment from someone to actually um, put on your own event with all the stage lighting sound yeah. it's, it's just frightening to be quite honest with you Nice. It's, it sounds it sounds it to be fair but so i mean kind of so going from that how you you know again we mentioned off air a few things that you're juggling at this moment in time how how difficult is it you, you touched upon before they're kind of very relatable transferable skills from the professional environment within football into you know djing and, and, and things of that nature um but how difficult is it at the minute to juggle different things, working full time, you know, you're living away from home now, so you kind of like having to do all the boring, mundane, you know, household stuff and dedicate all that time into a career DJ. That, like, the way you just said that, that's one thing I really underestimated before I moved out was how much stuff you have to do. (laughs) Mum usually does. It's unbelievable. So now I have... And what I did previously, that's one thing I'm really ugly with, to be quite honest with you. Um, definitely hard having a full-time job, um, as well as trying to keep in good shape, keep fit. Uh, I still do five seconds. Um, you know, I still try and keep the football aspect in my life, but only as a little yeah. hobby. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is tricky, to be fair, you know, juggling all these different things. I've had to have couple of conversations with myself and think like have I got to go all all in at this now or you know kind of sack off the other things but then you've got to do what you enjoy and I do enjoy training I, I enjoy going to gym I enjoy keeping fit um I don't think that's anything I could ever stop doing but then if you look at these DJs the, the professional guys they're literally all they do is sit in the studio hours yeah. and hours and hours um <clears throat> if you read their interviews they'd get part-time jobs uh, and uh, say if they finish work at half four, they'd go home and just make music till 10 at night. That's it. Every yeah. night. That's where I think maybe I'm not doing enough at the minute. Um, so, yeah, it, to be honest with you, it is, it is hard. It is hard juggling all the different things. I think it's that enjoyment, though, the term a lot. That's been a common theme for every single guest we've had on, on the, for the, the episode, The Journey. Um, you know, we've had quite a few up to now, and they're all saying, so whatever it may be, so whether they're continuing football, whether they're now studying, whether, like yourself, <laughs> you're into a career that they're, they're passionate about, 
I think it's that enjoyment is the key to quite a lot of things in life, isn't it? I think if you've got that, I think you can uh, <clears throat> certainly will put in the hours, you'll put in the effort and you'll stick around for those 10 if years. Passionate, if you're passionate about something and you want it, you'll do it. Yeah. Um, you should never force yourself to do anything because if you're dragging yourself in, if, I, if I'm getting home thinking like, oh God, I've got to go and make music now for four hours, you're in the wrong, you're literally yeah. in the wrong career. You're not doing what you love. So if you ever find yourself in that situation, I'd stop trying to pursue that because it should just come naturally to you. You should want to do it. You should be like, oh, I can't wait to get home and do that. And if you're not finding yourself with you know, that desire to get on with something like that, then my honest opinion would be just don't do it because you're wasting your time. That's great and simple advice. So speaking before, I say that you're very mature. So what would a current day Jack tell your younger self going back to an academy player whether it's under 16s under 18s level would there be a piece of advice you'd give yourself your your younger self back then is this a young self who's still trying to pursue football or... yes well yeah or what whichever mindset so you know under 16s under 18s yeah. what would you tell your younger self I used to get so wound up over um, you know the opinion of one person so your manager for example uh, yeah um, and the f- most frustrating thing with football, I'd say, is you, you, you're reliant on 10 other people as well. So, True. you know, people might go for stats and see someone scored 20 goals or they'll see someone scored five. But what they don't see is a lad who scored five on 10 occasions <laughs> hasn't been past the ball when he stood in front of an open goal. And you, that used to wind me up so much with football. You, they say it's a team game, but for, for me, I think you've just really got to look after number one, which is you. That's the that's the advice I'd give to a young lad: is just you've got to nail your own individual game. Yeah, because I'm not being funny. Those ten lads who you're around at 16, 17, 18, they ain't going to be there when you're twenty, twenty-one. So don't don't care about them. You've got to be selfish. You've got to definitely, definitely just look after yourself, because that's one thing I've learned since coming away is that. I know they're your teammates, but they're not really the the, the, the who you're competing trying to get that shirt in the first team. So I wouldn't class them as t- a teammate. I know it sounds bad, but no, it does. It's, it's a great observation. Do you know what? I, I must admit, I found that coming to the, the academy system of such a peculiar thing. Like you said, you know, it's all this team ethic. You know, the cohesion. Like you said, you know, Nick and Gav got a really solid unit together, a really good group of lads. But essentially. You're coming towards the end of your scholarship, and if there's two of you in the same position, it's you versus him for the contract. They're probably never going to give two contracts to the same lad no, who's in the same same position. So it's like it's now doggy well, doggy. Well, yeah, my my observation of it is they've probably got two two one or two players who they've got their eye on and they want to get through, and the rest are there to fill the squad. So you've yes. got to be, you've got to be that number one or number two. And you can't be anything less. You can't be three or four thinking, oh, I'm all right. I'm, you know, I'm in the top five players in the team. You can't be. You've got to be literally one or two. That would be my advice, is make sure that you're, number, you're the first name on the team sheet. Yeah, that's sound advice. So, I mean, in terms of wider advice then, so let's kind of, it doesn't necessarily have to be football. It can be career, education or life advice. So what, what advice would you give to some of our listeners who are currently academy players or ju- just graduated from, from the academy? What what piece of advice would you give them? Uh, it would probably be just don't get too caught up on one thing because you've got to understand there's so many different things you can do in life. Don't beat yourself up because you didn't make it football or 
don't get hung up on the idea that you've got to make it on football because I've seen so many people do this. They, they hold on to it and they drop down lower, lower, lower. And then three years have gone by and they're like, oh, I'm not going anywhere with this. I'm going to have to find a job. Whereas the guy with a bit of common sense three years ago would have yeah. said, mm, right, I'm not really making this somewhere. And that he'll have got a job and he's now three years ahead of his career. So my advice would probably be just don't get, don't get caught up on it. If it's not working, try something else. And there's no shame in, I wouldn't say it's quitting. I think it would be realising that you might be better off in a different job or a different environment. And you, you should never, ever be afraid to try new things. Very true, very true. So lastly, before we finish off, you know, have you got any events coming up, uh, any kind of gigs booked in, or is there anywhere where people, our listeners, can kind of follow your progress as you, as you take the DJ world by storm? Um, Events-wise, at the minute, I've not got any that have been rescheduled. They all got cancelled. Um, I've been asked to do a couple, uh, but I didn't really fancy them, to be honest. So got a meeting with somebody on Saturday about potentially um, putting a few things on in the future. And then uh, the guy who was supposed to book me for the event I told you about previously that got cancelled, yeah. the main one, um, he's on about trying to get something done for next year. Uh, but li- listening and following wise is just SoundCloud and uh, Spotify. Okay, cool. Have you got a certain name that you go by on either of those? Or is yeah, it just-, it's, just called, it's called Visionary State. I got it off a podcast. It's a bit of a weird one, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was just listening to a joke podcast, and this guy said it. And I was like, that sounds quite cool, actually. So yeah. I did have my last name, but I just found it boring. <laughs> so I changed it to that. No, that sounds good. I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners will get give you a follow in uh, and, and chart your progress. And speaking of listeners, on behalf of them, I want to thank you for giving up your time on a on a of a night time um, for yeah. free. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there's. Well, I know for a fact there's not just one or two. There's probably about four or five golden nuggets of pieces of life advice, career advice, football advice in there. So yeah, thank you yeah. from behalf of myself and, and the listeners for for those pieces of advice. It's been yeah, it's been great to catch well, up. Um, thanks, I enjoyed it. Cheers for that. I don't know about you, but I'm still absorbing all of the take-home messages Jack was kind enough to share with us. He truly is a wise young man beyond his years. From his outlook to enjoying his football at grassroots, taking control of his football career and pursuing his passion when others would have easily been in denial and potentially missed out on the opportunity to embark on a truly unique and creative career in the music industry. Be sure to listen to his work on SoundCloud, searching Visionary State, and follow his continued transition on Instagram at visionarystate.music. Next month, we have yet another unique story from someone who was once just like you, pursuing their dream to become a professional football player, as they share their story with us as we bring you another journey and yet another interview from The Locker. enjoyed this week's episode and I look forward to you joining us next week 
when we bring you another interview from the locker. Be sure to follow this podcast to access the latest episodes and make sure you share these interviews with your friends, family, teammates and anyone you feel will benefit from the episodes. Look out for behind the scenes footage on our Instagram page, for more information on our Facebook page and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter too. Don't forget to access our website for up-to-date resources as well as contact details for all our guests who appear on the podcast from week to week. All these details can be found in the About section on the podcast platform you have accessed this episode from. We look forward to you joining us next week in listening to more interviews from the locker.